0: Greetings. I'm Kathy Mears, the interim president and CEO of NCA, and welcome to NCA Podcasts. We are here today with Mike Boyle, and Mike has been a friend and a colleague for, I don't know, a really long time. How, How many years have we known each other, Mike? Do you know?
1: I think probably close to 15.
0: Probably. We're, all, we're both getting older, at least I am. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> but
0: it's been a while. So I'm in Indianapolis and Mike is up I-65 in Chicago. And we are very happy that he has joined us because Mike has written a book for NCEA. And we are very glad that he did that. The book is called A Light Into My Path. And it is about how Catholic schools can implement so- social and emotional learning supports to students. And it's a great book and very timely now. So Mike, why did you write this book and did you know that we're going to have a pandemic and really need this book
1: when uh morton who is my my co-author on this and i started this this really started as the culmination of some work that we did for our annual conference the mustard seed project which focuses on inclusive practice in catholic schools but this past year we over the really the last year and a half we were hearing a lot from catholic schools about the need to support uh, mental wellness in in their students. And so we focused our conference last October on, you know, supporting mental wellness in Catholic schools. And as a result of that, we decided to take our learnings and our conversations and sort of, uh, you know, w- what we discovered, and we decided to put them in one resource. And that was last October. And we kind of put everything in in place, and, and and sure enough, you know it, it became much more timely than we had ever anticipated it to be.
0: And if it's okay for me to say, I wish it weren't quite so timely. <laughs> I agree. It, it, it's it's been hard. And while the book focuses on social and emotional learning for um, children, it does also talk a little bit about teachers. And I think teachers right now could use that emotional and social support um, because it being in this pandemic has been difficult for everyone.
1: Well, and, and i think that's the real critical learning that we we had from this particular work is that you know we can't teach mental wellness or social emotional learning or these kinds of things without looking at the entire system so let's just take the idea of balance you know the, the good old part of uh benedictine charism right is um you can't lecture on balance and expect kids to have balance you know in their lives when we don't foster those same kinds of things with our teachers so i think to really have good Kind of support, and, and it, we have to take a systems approach. So, not only is this about, for example, teaching balance to kids, but it's also fostering balance with our with our teachers. And boy, don't don't our teachers need that right now? I think um, all of them have been thrust into this idea of of remote learning, and they've you know found that um, all of a sudden teaching has become a twenty four seven sort of profession at this point. So. Um, and, and and at that with that that there's a cost a cost to their own emotional well-being. I mean I think we hear, you know, Catholic school teachers you know being stressed and um, seeing you know some pretty strong signs of, of that distress. And so the more that we can capture this, not only for our students but for our staff, I think that the better that we can be.
0: I could not agree more, and um, your metaphor, you start out with the metaphor about an orchestra and how, you know, the accompaniment makes the soloist better, and I think it also makes the conductor better, and um, I think that that's really an important thing for for teachers to notice about themselves and their colleagues and principals, too. Um, Sometimes teachers look out for each other and forget to look out for their principal, and I'm just saying everybody has to look out for everybody right now, because In any given moment, on any given day, someone could need you to um, reach out. And so if we can take a little time to do that, it would be good. The other thing I find out is that when I reach out to most people, it makes me better. Um, not every time, but most times it does. So I, I appreciated that your book used that musical uh, metaphor. It was it was great. So how do you think this book could be used in schools? How could principals use it or teachers use it to improve their own practice or maybe just to bring some awareness? Because I think awareness is the first step.
1: Right. And I think, um, uh, so as with almost everything we do at the Greeley Center, we, we like systems because I think systems help perpetuate. Um, otherwise what happens if we if we look at just like applying it to a student, applying it to a classroom in isolation, it's like putting a Band-Aid on things. You know, the Band-Aid only lasts so long. So I think to have a really good, deep Im- implementation of this approach, we have to look at systems. And so in the book, we kind of outline um, a, a, a nested system to think about doing this. And part of this has to be starting with the with an assessment of the institutional beliefs. As a school organization, what do we really believe about our students and our, the students that we serve? Canon law calls us for, you know, to to really, um, you know, teach the whole child. But what does the whole child mean? We would argue that in addition to the academic excellence piece of this, obviously it's the faith formation piece, but it's really education of the whole child. So how much do we really look at that? Do how much do we believe? that each child is unique and unrepeatable. And what does that mean? How do we approach the idea of reconciliation? Not a sacramental reconciliation, but really a reconciliation of forgiveness. And do we really embed that in our our practices? So what we kind of put forward is, is, um, and we've got an assessment in the book, just to start to promote conversation about what are our institutional beliefs about students, about ourselves? in that then we provide some additional framework. so we we look at kind of what are the school-wide practices again really the focus on the system so what do we believe about um you know how we teach um balance um how do we teach the social emotional learning pieces thinking about positive behavior interventions and supports um, the idea of restorative justice all these things come from the the secular world but in essence when we look at the real roots of these three really effective kinds of strategies they really have strong connections to our catholic identity and so when we think about these approaches and we we kind of put forward this idea then let's let's look at these really strong practices but let's look at at it with a catholic lens and then from there once we get the sort of institutional pieces in place then we can start to think about what are the classroom practices and. And really, this is a lot about prevention. One of the things that we know about mental wellness is that we've got to be able to teach these kinds of skills. Um, not that we're ever going to prevent, you know, issues with with mental wellness and and you know uh, and issues like that. But w- what we can do is that we can at least teach some skills to help mitigate. You know, I keep thinking about this particular work as if, you know, if we were able to maybe get this into um, production, like, you know, 18 months ago, and we had done some of this pre-work, maybe we could start to see the effect of, of those prevention skills as a way to mitigate the current stress. The worst time to teach mental wellness things is in the middle of a crisis. And obviously, we're all in a crisis right now. But I think by moving on on uh, doing this kind of of a preventative work it helps arm <laughs> people for when they have to experience stress
0: so you talk about prevention and when i read the institutional belief section i thought that this could be used when hiring new new teachers um, because one of the questions I had was maybe that all the staff doesn't share the same core beliefs. And core beliefs is the term that Notre Dame Ace Academies use um, for, for pretty much the same thing. But what, what if we don't have the same institutional beliefs about how children learn, how they function under stress? What if we don't all believe that? How do you bring those teachers along? And then, you know, the big question, too, is how do we communicate this to parents? I think those are two topics that um, keep maybe leaders from tackling this work because they're afraid about the teacher that they know won't go along, or they believe will not go along, or the parents are going to not like this. So how do you tackle those two things? Because I, I agree with you totally. We needed to. We need our policies and our processes to be both systematic and systemic i'm with you on that so how do we bring along those teachers and parents who may be reluctant
1: well i think that we can look at it as as a form of evangelization right because i think when you look at the even the court the you know the, the those institutional beliefs as we've you know kind of outlined them they're really tied with what the church says a catholic school should be and Sometimes in the, in the battle fray, sometimes we get so focused on what's in front of us that we forget about those other things. And I and I think you know, in those those other things being the core beliefs of who we are as Catholic educators, I kind of go back to the, the, the snippet of the gospel, you know, you know, be still and know that I am God. And and oftentimes in this very crazy world that we live in, we forget the be still part. And sometimes as staff, we need to be still and kind of remind ourselves as to what the mission of Catholic education is. We're not private schools, we're Catholic schools. Catholic schools have a very important mission, which is to, to you know both, both be academically excellent, but uh, more importantly, the formation and the faith. And sometimes we forget about those pieces. So to help teachers with this, and I think that these beliefs become really good kind of starting points to think about and to rediscover having staff retreats very focused on these kinds of things can help with the evangelization process we're all in the process of like you know um you know getting to to getting closer to following god right and if we can foster those kinds of opportunities within our school it can be really effective the same thing with parents Sometimes parents will enter a Catholic school, again, thinking it's the private school, and that there's a whole other set of beliefs that go with that. You know, we have to ask ourselves constantly, how do we invite our parents to be part of the mission of the school, of a Catholic school? How do we help them in that process? And, and again, you know, we we have sort of a, a, a privileged ministry in terms of helping um, the church has to help parents in their vocation of, of parenting. And so how can we invite parents into that? And oftentimes I'll hear you know people concerned about parents and, and things, but then I ask, well, how do you support them? And we don't always hear ways to support them. So I think this invites us into a new way to start to parent, um, to partner with parents in their vocation of, of parenting to their children.
0: I, I saw your list on, on what do we do with parents for parents to engage them. And um, I thought that was a good a good start, a good place for principals to go, teachers to go. It's almost like a school improvement tool that people could use to to move themselves forward, so uh, I, I think that you're on the right track there. And again, it, it this is not easy stuff. No, um, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it, and right. we're just not there yet. <laughs> um, so, but but we're starting and. That's a that's a very good thing. Um, I'd rather be at the start line than um, not even on the track. So <laughs> we, we will take that. So this book, I'm a big believer in the fruits of the spirit. When we were when I was in Boston and working with the Boston Public Schools on the grad at Grad, um, I kept saying all you're doing is putting in things that are the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> because to me, that's exactly what they were doing. So do you want to talk about how you came and decided to use the fruits of the spirit to overlay? with the behavioral strategies, because I think it's a great overlay. I like that graphic a lot.
1: Well, it's so interesting. I think sometimes that we forget about the wisdom of the church. I think that we, we start to, we think we've discovered things. And in reality, we find that the church has already talked about this. And I think here's a really good example of it is that when you look at the five competencies of social emotional learning put out from Castle which is the Center for um, um, Social-Emotional Learning. Those, those five competencies you know, are really great. They're self-management, responsible decision-making, respons- relationship skills, social awareness, and self-awareness. And those are really, really, really nicely done. And there's a lot of evidence about this, and they've done some really good research. But as uh, Dr. Morton and I were kind of thinking about this, is that when we look at those five competencies from CASEL, they're very consistent with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. you know. So what we did is we tried to overlay them. We tried to look at the match between them. So let's say when you look at the idea of uh, responsible decision-making, there's certainly an aspect of self-control when we look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit to make good responsible decisions you have to be able to sort of delay gratification, delay impulse, which is all self-control. So there's like a really nice connection with that. There's also the idea of, you know, just of chastity, right? So, you know, just, you know, being being chaste and modest to make sure that yourself is not going before other people and you're making decisions that are sort of, you know, uh, meeting your needs as opposed to others. So I, what we've done is we've then taken a list and um, in, in our particular book, and what we did is we took... The five competencies and the description of the five competencies from Castle on social emotional learning, and we actually laid them right next to um, the ones that are are kind of matched up really nicely with with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And again. I think what it points to is that there is a really wonderful wisdom in the church. And we don't always have to rediscover things. I think maybe we just kind of rediscover what our church has said. For example, you know, I, I think, you know, when we look at the lives of the saints, I think about positive behavior interventions and supports, which is a phenomenal strategy about teaching behavioral expectations, defining behavioral expectations. There's an incredible amount, like 40, 45 years worth of efficacy studies to show the effectiveness of this. And, and it's a, a strategy that we've been using in schools, um, both in public settings and, and in Catholic school settings for, for a while. But when we really start to think about that, you know, I think about and I sort of discovered the, um, the kind of the early ministry of Saint John Bosco, and if you, you know, follow his, uh, you know, kind of his life, he taught the street children of of Rome, the most incorrigible, the most difficult to teach with behavior, and if you think about looking at the way that he did his work in terms of, of of keeping kids really engaged in high quality pieces, things that were very interest, he found that he could start to delay some of the behavioral issues that he've seen. So again, I, I think, you know, you look at, you know, St. John Bosco, who was, you know, over 100 years ago, sort of the patron saint of, of PBIS, Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports, because I think a lot of the work that he's done shows, you know, up in 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 PBIS. So again, I think it's by it's not that we necessarily discovered anything new, I think, here. What we tried to do is take what's been effective and really tie it with a Catholic lens to show some of the consistencies.
0: Right. And I thought your context for restorative justice, where you added um, basically what reconciliation looks like in the church compared to um, what restorative justice can be, the relationship is so direct. And I think it's really one that we need to look at as Catholic school teachers and principals and leaders. It's really important that we acknowledge when we've done something wrong and that we show sorrow for doing it and you know, and to ask forgiveness. Um, but yet restorative justice can be difficult to implement in a school setting because of all of the other things that enter into it so um but i found you know your pages on that to be very helpful and i think would be helpful to to students um i also wondered if your page if you thought those pages would be something that you would share if you were a principal with with your parents because i'm wondering if parents shouldn't just read that directly from what you've written was that your intent or is it just my interpretation yeah. uh, well
1: actually i mean that I, I didn't think about that that's a kind of a
0: good idea
1: um, but I, I think what we were trying to do is we the way again most of the, the resources that we write from the the Greeley center of catholic education really is is trying to be very practical things that you can pick up and and, and adapt very easily to be able to use you know in in your practice and I think you know, and, and you're right. the The reconciliation, not the sacramental reconciliation, obviously, but 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 the idea of forgiveness. Boy, isn't that the hardest thing to do? I mean, to really forgive somebody. I mean, I think it's something we all struggle with on on a regular basis. And the more that we could help students understand what real, true forgiveness you know let's face it you know any parent will tell you you know you tell your child you know you know apologize for that and and what do you get sorry 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 <laughs> you know that's about it right and yes. and and it's not really a true acknowledgement that the behavior that i chose actually had harm i harmed you it may not be physical harm but it was maybe an emotional harm we harmed the relationship And boy, if we could just even start working with our our students at very early ages to understand that, gee, what I chose to do had harm, it impacted somebody else. So let's let's kind of fix that relationship and how can we move from there? Think how powerful that could be. And again, that's just reemphasizing the power of Catholic education, which is about being transformational. It's not just about academic excellence, which is critical, but it's also about the transformation and how can we you know put people on that that pathway towards sainthood right? Um, so we need to think about those kinds of things. Um, and again it helps meet our charge as as Catholic schools, which you know again is is about the development of the whole child, um, not just the academics and but it's the faith piece, it's about the social, the emotional, behavioral pieces that we're also charged with for formation.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I think that if we keep it simple, it, it is helpful because it doesn't have to be as complicated as we adults make it. So um, <laughs> I think that that's probably very good advice. You know, um, one of the things that really struck me too when I was reading your and Dr. Morton's book was um, you have the culturally relevant pedagogy in Catholic schools. And I'm wondering how that intersects with those schools that have a focus on a classic liberal arts education, which has its own way of teaching and certain books and things like that, and how that works with. What you're um, proposing here for social-emotional learning?
1: Um, I, I think, although I, I don't really have a good understanding, I think of, of classical approaches to Catholic education. I do know that it's um, it, it's something that's very important, you know, um, you know, to groups of parents and things. But I think one of the things I think we just need to recognize is that the Catholic Church and Catholic schools, by default, are are part of the universal church and you know, and, and the global approach. And I think, you know, one of the things I think that, that's really important about culturally re- relevant um, pedagogy is the idea that, um, you know, the, the learning materials also reflect um, the students in which we're teaching which means that, you know, literature, you know, has characters that look like the kids that are reading it. And I I think that becomes important because then you can see that you're part of the church. You know, the church is not just about one segment, one view, but the church is universal. So I think, again, the idea that we look at how do we really integrate those kinds of approaches with the students that we serve.
0: I, I think that's a great answer because it, I like the pedagogy of classic liberal education is great. But the idea that um, it can include other things, I think makes sense too. not trying to water anything down, but just trying to make it as inclusive as possible. And it makes sense. So the universality of the church, it's a good answer. It's a very good answer. So I also read the assessment and grading practices. and, And it's a short section that you write about. But um, I am curious if you are noticing something that I'm noticing, that the grade is more important than the learning. We are way more worried if they get an A than rather if they've learned an A's worth. And I'm um, not sure that I can change that. <laughs> for you. And maybe I'm just noticing it and it's not really out there. But I, I do worry about that, because with the emphasis on the grade, we're forgetting about grades are supposed to be a measure of learning so are you seeing that same thing happening and because i think that grades cause children stress
1: that's that's exactly right and i think that's where our concern is in terms of looking at the grading practices is because if the emphasis is not about one's own sort of progress in learning but it's on external signs of success um, it can cause stress. You, you know, this I, this, um, this happened a long time ago in another setting, but my wife always tells the story. Um she was a first grade teacher.
0: I like your wife just like me first grade <laughs> teacher. It's, where, it's where all of us should start.
1: Absolutely, because that's where that's where you learn everything, I think. And she had a parent conference, and the parent was very concerned about the child's grade point average in first grade. And because how was this child ever going to make it to Harvard, you know, if um, they didn't have the right grades? And my wife, in her head, was starting to think, well, you know, to be quite frank, I'm not really sure how you average a smiley face and a star, and how that results in a grade point average. And I think that you know, the 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 thing that was, I think, real pointed at that particular point is that you know what, even at early ages, we're not fostering the joy of learning. Because if we focus so much on grades, um, we rob our kids about that sort of discovery. And again, you know, there's there's a tie to our Catholic faith. You know, it's about fostering wonderment and awe. I mean, again, if we are so focused on, you know, an A or an A minus or whatever, we rob our kids of that that wonderful piece of, of wonderment and awe about being able to stand in awe of the wonderful world that God's given us and think about all the kinds of discoveries because those are where discoveries, new discoveries are made, is the ability to stand back and just look and appreciate the world that you live in and look at connections and look at how this world is made. Um, because that helps you start to make those connections. But again, if we go, become so fostered or focused on grades and, and those kind of external measures, I think we're in trouble.
0: I, I I totally agree. And again, let's focus on learning and not grades. And I think right. I think that, you know, what, who will really help too are teachers because they worry about giving grades because they're afraid they're going to get the phone call your wife got. Well, and i think
1: too then they all, our teachers worry about the stress because our yes. our teachers see the stress that 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 kind of unhealthy focus on grades can can be because kids start to fret and they become anxious and we know that currently when we look at the the um the the statistics about mental health we know that our kids are increasingly experiencing anxiety as a function of stress and so You know, the things that we can look at to try to establish balance within our classrooms um, can at least help mitigate some of those stressful feelings.
0: Well, I think you're exactly right. And again, the title of the book is A Light Unto My Path, and it is written by Mike and his colleague, Dr. Morton, both at the Greeley Center at Loyola University, Chicago. And Mike, is there any closing thoughts you have about your book, about how you want it to be used, or or anything you just want to say about it? Because it, it really, it's a good read easy to read and i made notes and things that you know i still pretend like i'm a teacher and principal um and, you know <laughs> notes, you know, how this might look in a in a school and um i think people will really enjoy reading the book and learning from it so what do you want to share about it? something that you're most proud of well i think what we're
1: what we're really hoping is that people will use this as a map um, as a guide to start to implement these things there's going to be no one program, program that can be adopted by every single school. It's got to be contextualized. And we're hoping that this will serve as a guide to be able to contextualize uh, approaches like this. And we we're hoping that it's an easy way to integrate you know, our Catholic faith, our Catholic identity with these other evidence-based practices in a way that's not going to layer extra work, but really just a way to tie everything together.
0: And I think it does that well. So, thank you for writing the book for NCA. We appreciate that. And thank you for being part of this podcast. We hope that you will um, join us again next time for another podcast. And, um, Mike, we definitely hope that you'll keep working with NCA because we enjoy working with you and you have so much to share. And we are grateful for that our membership. It has access to you and all the wonderful people at the Greeley Center. Um, The Greeley Center, in case you don't know, is with Loyola in Chicago. And here's what I know about They are fun people as well as being very, very smart.
1: Thank you. We appreciate that.
0: (laughs) You know, joy is that first fruit of the Holy Spirit. So joy is important. So thank you very much for being with us. Everyone have a great day wherever you are. And join us next time for NCA Podcasts.